Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. The Lord God appeared to him. God began to execute his judgment against Solomon's sin in 1 Kings eleven fourteen. Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was a descendant of the king in Edom. For it happened when David was in Edom and Joab, the commander of the army, had gone up to bury the slain after he had killed every male in Edom because for six months Joab remained there with all Israel until he had cut down every male in Edom, that Hadad fled to go to Egypt, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him. Hadad was still a little child. Okay, this is something about God's character that a lot of people seem to either, they either don't know about it, or they don't want to believe it for that matter, that God would actually raise up enemies against his own people. These enemies here. These adversaries, they would become an instrument of judgment against the sin that God's people often commit, especially when they refuse to repent of it. So here's this guy named Hadad, who the Bible says was an Edomite. Now, a little history about the Edomites is that they were the descendants of Esau, who was Jacob's brother, Jacob, who would become Israel. Remember that Esau, he sold his birthright to Jacob over a bowl of stew. He thought, I'm dying, I'm so hungry. But he felt tricked out of his birthright. He said, I'll give you my birthright if you give me that stew. And he felt tricked. Uh, he felt kind of fooled by Jacob. And so he hated Jacob for it. And Jacob became father of the Israelites, and Esau became father of the Edomites. And their hatred of each other it had gone for so many years, as struggles of war for a long time. So when the Bible says that Hadad was an Edomite, you know right away that this guy Hadad had been infuriated to take revenge against Israel, specifically because of what David did ever since he was a boy, not just because of the long-running hatred that had been built into him over centuries of time, but because Hadad saw the days when David and Joab killed a lot of Edomites, and that only inflamed Hadad's vengeance even more beyond what he had already been raised with. So Hadad fled to Egypt to escape David's slaughter, which is how Pharaoh came to know him. 1 Kings eleven eighteen. Then they arose from Midian and came to Paran, and they took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt, to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave him a house, apportioned food for him, and gave him land. And Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him as wife the sister of his own wife, that is, the sister of Queen Taphanes. Then the sister of Tapanes bore him Genebeth, his son, whom Tapanes weaned in Pharaoh's house. And Genebeth was in Pharaoh's household among the sons of Pharaoh. 
So when Hadad heard in Egypt that David rested with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Let me depart that I may go to my own country. Then Pharaoh said, But what have you lacked with me that suddenly you seek to go to your own country? So he said, Nothing, but let me go anyway. Now, (laughs) you notice Hadad didn't say, Hey, I want to go pick a fight with Israel. That's why I want to leave. He didn't say that. Hadad kept his intentions to himself, what he was going to do. Now, remember, part of Solomon's disobedience was that he was doing business with Egypt. And if Pharaoh knew that Hadad was possibly going to go stir up trouble and disrupt their business between Egypt and Israel, then Pharaoh might have locked Hadad up and kept him from going. No, I've got good business going with, with Solomon right now. Don't go mess that up. Hadad didn't tell him while he was leaving. He says, I just let me go anyway. So Hadad got out the door without Pharaoh knowing why. 1 Kings eleven twenty three, And God raised up another adversary against him, Razon, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord, Hadadazer, the king of Zobah. So he gathered men to him and became captain over a band of raiders when David killed those of Zobah. And they went to Damascus and dwelt there and reigned in Damascus. He was an adversary of Israel all the days of Solomon, besides the trouble that Hadad caused, and he abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. Now, as if one enemy wasn't enough, here comes a second one. And I want you to notice that two different enemies from different regions, they didn't live in the same place, they waited for years until the Lord called them. They did not cause any trouble for however many decades it was until the Lord activated them to cause that trouble. So can you see the timing of all this? They were not allowed to move against Israel, against Solomon, until God said so. Remember, they were raised up by the Lord. It says adversaries were raised up by God. And so they would be used by God for God's plan. These were two separate enemies, different regions, awaited a long time, and now, bam, they are now switched on to become instruments of judgment against Israel. They were going to be used by God to fulfill the terms of the agreement that God made with Solomon back in chapter 9. He said, obey me and things will be pretty awesome, but if you disobey me, then you got trouble. So here comes trouble in Hadad and Rezon and all these rebels that would join up with them that would increase the numbers all the more. Now, this is quite a thing for us to consider here, is the fact that God has control even over our enemies, and he will use them for his own purposes. You know how people love to quote, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. <laughs> and they they start to believe from that passage and that it's made into a song, I shall be saved from my enemies. They think that God only exists to save them from their enemies. But if you do like Solomon did, and you serve false gods, then you got to realize from this passage here that God can actually raise up adversaries against you to bring judgment on those who sin willfully without repenting. That, that word repent, I love to run it. He can raise up adversaries to bring judgment on us, either to judge us, or to initiate a change on us. And God can actually bless us through our enemies. You know, David demonstrated the power of God through an enemy named Goliath. 
So you can see how God blessed Israel through an enemy because Goliath's very existence was for the establishment of David to make David a great warrior before Israel. Likewise with King Saul, that was another enemy of David. God used him to push David. Goliath pushed on David. King Saul pushed on David. That was to get David established where God wanted to move David. God wanted to position David and establish David in a different place. And so these enemies pushed on him. So here in 1 Kings 11, Solomon slid off from where he needed to be. And so God raised up adversaries for the purpose of executing judgment, but also to be a push against Israel to get them to move where God wanted to establish them next. Look at how God can actually bring blessing to us through our enemies. David said in Psalm 23, verse 5, he said, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Friends, if God is able to save us from our enemies, then whenever an enemy pushes us, then obviously it has to be some kind of godly purpose behind it. Either we fell off into sin and the enemy is sent as an instrument of judgment against us, or that enemy has been employed by God to get us to move into a position that we don't want to move to. You ever have God call you to go do something and you didn't want to do it? You realize he could raise up an adversary to push you and shove you into that place that you don't want to go? (laughs) You know, friends, the reason I'm making this point is because often during times of trial and oppression, we ask the question, Lord, why is this happening to me? We need to understand that the opposition is not necessarily meant to stop you, but to cause a change in you, to push you out of your comfort zone, to get you to go somewhere or to even establish you in a place that you don't want to go. We need to learn to look at our suffering from more than just our own personal point of view and try to see maybe that the Lord is trying to show us something when we go through tough times, that he may be trying to get us somewhere else and establish us. So back into the context of chapter 11, Solomon's leadership, he sinned and fell off, and it led Israel astray into worshiping false gods. And so these adversaries were literally raised up by God. That's what it says. God raised them up to initiate the necessary judgment and change that would move Israel back to where God wanted them so that they could be established the way God needed them in order for God to maintain his covenant promises with them. (laughs) I know that was a big mouthful right there. But guys, we need this kind of a correction put upon us sometimes because uh, sometimes we get so full of ourselves, we think, hey, everybody else is doing it like Solomon did. All the other kings live like this. I'll live like this too. So if everybody else is doing it, then it's okay for me to do it too. But that's why Solomon built worship centers for false gods, because he felt like he was the big king at that time, plus all the other nations were doing it. Well, you know, friends, when we try to be like somebody else, When we try to be like everybody else, you know, friends, when we try to be like everybody else, that's when we start losing our holiness. That's when we start losing our set apartness, the being different for God. And then pretty soon, that's when we start chasing after abominations, disgusting, vile sins that make God feel sick, like he wants to vomit. Just like Solomon, we have all 
sinned. We have all built worship centers to false gods. What kind of worship center did I build, Ray? Well, I don't know. Maybe money, power, stature. I want to look better than everybody. You know, the, the, the God of self, that's a false god. I want you to remember how Solomon built high places for the abomination gods. Friends, God does not do his best work in the high places when everything is going great. God does his best work in the low places with us. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, not in strength. Friends, God does his best work in our weakness in low places, not the good times, the high times, but the low times. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Friends, when we think too highly of ourselves, when we worship in the high places like Solomon did, that's when we start to compromise our walk with God. In fact, when we get off into 2 Kings, we're going to learn of King Josiah. He's the one that's going to come in later, and he's going to tear down all these high worship places down to the ground. He's going to tear them down, and he's going to do it to bring in a time of national repentance for Israel. All those high worship places, knock them down. We need to repent and get right before the Lord. That's going to be King Josiah. I look forward to that. So there's a parable from Luke that explains two different kinds of men, one who stood tall and proud, oh, look at me, I'm awesome, and one who was low, one guy that got real low before the Lord. It all explains this picture very clearly. Luke 18 and 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. See how high he's trying to get? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever lifts himself up is going to be pushed down, but whoever pushes himself down on his own will be raised up. So, friends, don't chase abomination false gods in the high places. Well, I'm going to chase that false god of money because I want to look high and mighty. I want to look better than everybody. Guys, this is usually based on self-image, uh, prestige. I make more money than you. I have more power than you. I'm better than you. People like me more than you. I'm better looking than you are. I'm better than you. I'm superior. You're below me. Everybody's stupid except me. I'm the only smart one out there. That's what I hear a lot of the time. People always talk talking about, oh, everybody's idiots. Oh, and you're not. <laughs> this feeling of superiority. You know, the world is going to nag at you like Solomon's wives did at him. And if you give in to what the world pressures you to do, then you're going to end up building false God worship centers, abominations in high places. Friends, it's always best for us to just bow the knee and get low 
before Jesus Christ and serve him low with humility. Whoever lifts himself up will be brought down. And that's exactly why Solomon is about to face some opposition here from these adversaries now in 1 Kings 11. But even in Solomon's humbling, the Lord had his own good purposes for Israel in it. Same with you and me. When we face opposition, the enemy who pushes you, now I know you got some right now, these people that push on you, the enemy who pushes you, just remember that God has his own good purpose for you in that. The question is, will you be able to see God's hand in it to know to get low and let God work, or will you drive yourself straight into the ground over it because you refuse to repent of the sin that God's trying to break you out of? It's so easy to look at Solomon and say, oh, come on, Solomon, why can't you see the problem here? Don't you see the trouble that you stirred up? Don't you see the problem that's coming if you don't straighten up? Come on, Solomon. But guys, why can't we say that to ourselves? Oh, come on, Ray. Oh, come on, Ray. Why are you doing this? You know what's going to happen if you keep this up. Ray, you should repent and you should get low before the Lord God. You know, it's easy to point at others and say, oh, you're so foolish. But what about ourselves? You know, when Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus did not say, Father, why did you let this guy do this to me? He betrayed me. Jesus understood that the purpose of this adversary in Judas was to go out and Judas was going to get the authorities to come back and arrest Jesus, which would bring Jesus to the cross and which would bring Jesus to die for the sins of the world. Friends, Jesus could see the bigger picture, the godly picture. The enemies who pushed him were for a greater blessing. And so if you are discouraged with the enemies that seem to be getting away with it, they're pushing you, and where's the accountability? God, why don't you strike them down? Wait a minute. Maybe you're asking God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Please understand that this opposition has God's purpose for you in it. There is a bigger blessing to it than what you can see right now. God sees enemies very differently than we do. Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. <laughs> Friends, God reconciled us back to him. That means the debts that were paid got got reconciled and canceled out and dealt with, and they're gone. The sin debt that we had. God reconciled us to him while we were his enemy. We were still his we were still his enemy when God worked all that trouble out. God didn't say, you straighten up first and then I'll cancel the debt. We would have never gotten out of the out of the debt. God reconciled while we were still enemies. Christ died for us while we were still sinning. And so if God would bless us that much while being an enemy, then how much more do you think he will bless us while being his friend? (laughs) That's what the verse just said. If God would do the work, if Jesus would die on the cross for us and do the work of reconciling us back to him while we were an enemy, how much better do you think it's going to be of a blessing we'll get by being his friend. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
But guys, God has put enemies in front of his own people, Israel, so many times. You turn on the news, you'll see it. They've got enemies around them. He's trying to move them to a place where he wants them to be that they're not at right now, that they're not willing to go to. And he has done this to Israel so many times throughout history. In fact, Exodus says that the more the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. God might allow critics to get in front of you, and God might allow discouragers to get in front of you, down talkers, and even some haters to push on you. But if you're walking with integrity and faith before God, then you'll see that your enemies serve to move and establish you where God is trying to get you. Psalm 138 and 8 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. We got to think that Goliath's purpose was to establish David. Now, we're reading how God will accomplish that which concerns Solomon, and God will also accomplish whatever concerns you according to his purpose. Not your purpose, but for his purpose. And your enemies, your adversaries that push on you, might very well be God's way of establishing you where he needs you to be. You know, friends, I've learned more about praying when I've had people against me telling me, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're going to fail. But that only caused me to tighten up my belt and say, I'll show you wrong. Friends, don't worry about what everybody else is doing out there. Don't lose your holiness trying to be like everybody else, because God might not have called them to be where he called you to be. So you don't need to worry about trying to be like them. Don't compromise your holiness. Stay humble, stay low, and worship God in the low places where he does his best work. Psalm 9 and 12 says, God does not forget the cry of the humble. Friends, if you want to get right before Jesus today, it's time to get low. It's time to to stop trying to build yourself up, because if you're trying to exalt yourself, you will be humbled. Right now, you can humble yourself. Get low before God and let go of all these crazy things that you've been trying to make yourself look awesome with. Let the Lord make you awesome, okay? You haven't done it yet. It's not worked yet. It's never going to. (laughs) Let the Lord build you up. Give your life to him, and he offers you eternal life. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place on the cross. I give you my life. Lord, I've got people pushing on me. I've got circumstances pushing on me, and I can't figure it out. I recognize now, Lord, that maybe that's you facilitating adversaries against me to move me in a place where I don't want to go. Thank you, Lord. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I'm sorry I didn't see that as your work. I do now. Forgive me for not listening. I give you my life. Let's go where you want to take me. Guide me. I'm listening now. I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place for me so that I can be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that minute, The Bible says you're saved. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.